The following is a hoop bowl presentation. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Ball DFS Today podcast. Today is Thursday, September 5th, and my name is Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and my partner in crime here one of, is one of the more respected NBA DFS guys in the industry. Hello, Mr. Micah Patria. How are you today? Doing well over here. Uh, you know, got to listen to our first show last show. I was pretty happy with it. I think uh, I think we're going to have a good thing going here. Coach, I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to the season. Um, I got a page full of stats for us tonight. Uh, we're going to be breaking down some of the bigger moves. This is, this is going to be a fun night. No doubt about it. I, and, you know, it, this being our second show, we uh, uh, first of all want to say thank you for the listeners that, that uh, uh, listened in to the first podcast last week. We got a lot of good feedback on Twitter and through several of the different podcast uh uh, site. So thank you for, for doing that. And, and we're building the show out. You know, it's this is going to be an NBA basketball show. We're still seven weeks away from uh, preseason. So uh, as we go, and, and we mentioned multiple times last week, you know, this preparation time is key. Uh, you know, we're going to be talking over strategies. Um, you know, some of the comments that, that uh, uh, you know, we got were, first-time DFS players that want to sort of get an idea of how to to uh, strategize and get into being successful. And then we had quite a few comments from from those that have dabbled with DFS and uh, uh, really wanted to know how to take it to the next level. So, you know, as we stated before, uh, what Mike and I are going to try to do uh, between now and the beginning of the season is really – uh, grind it out, you know, look at all the moves, start talking about, uh, you know, where the big changes are that are going to affect things initially. And our goal is to get uh, everybody out to a super fast, profitable start in the preseason and in the first two or three weeks of the uh, season when you can really take advantage of some of the mispricing and adjust adjustments that have to be made. Uh, that's exactly it. And basically what, pe- what he's saying here, people, uh, Coach is saying it in a nice way. We we completely respect everybody that's listening to us at this point of the season because odds are uh, you're a degenerate like us when it comes to DFS and you look forward to the NBA season that much where you're, you're getting all excited that seven weeks out some people are actually talking about it. And, yes, we're those people. Um, and when we get down to the season, it's going to be we're going to we're expecting to see a little bit more. We're going to get the more casual people. And that's we're here to help everybody. So we're here to help the degenerates like ourselves. Uh, and we're here to help the casual guy that just wants to jump on there, play a few games, you know, take a shot at winning a couple thousand bucks here and there. And it's going to be a fun time either way. So I recommend for anybody that's going to play DFS, uh, DFS to jump in on these, get get it while it's here. Uh, we're going to be getting some preseason action. And it's not often that you get to hear that kind of stuff. No doubt about it. And and we want to be the one-stop shop for everybody that's involved with NBA, DFS, fantasy leagues, dynasty leagues, head-to-head leagues, uh, you know, sharing just in-depth information about players and, you know, not just spitting out a bunch of stats. Stats are important, and they're certainly key to, you know, uh, a lot of uh, success. But 
talking about you know things that, that, that you know we've mentioned and, and we'll probably mention on every show because it's what you're going to get only here and that's you know trends not just pace but you know how are coaches uh utilizing new personnel you know watching we watch these games uh in and out from beginning to end to see you know who's who's in the coach's favor who they go into in the clutch you know who's a little bit in the doghouse all of the pieces that you know the each possession makes a difference and with the competitiveness of, of DFS and fantasy leagues, you know, it's a couple of buckets, a couple more minutes of playing that can shift things in the other direction. So, you know, we're really going to try to run the gambit from A to Z and back and, and make sure we cover everything uh, that's going to help you be successful. But I would be uh, not doing us a favor if I didn't jump in right here and say that this show is brought, uh, brought to you by Fantasy Draft. They are our partners here at Hoopball. We're ecstatic to really uh, work with, with Fantasy Draft. They have come to the table and are uh, responsible for bringing this uh, show to you. And uh, they have just really put uh, the entire industry on notice with what they are, are now the only uh, sports DFS site that has rake free. And uh, that is right, rake free. So every... A dime you're putting into contests, you're getting out of contest contests. So that, that is a very exciting, and uh, want to make sure that if you're going to sign up for the uh, basketball, great. We know that you're going to do that, but jump on football. Football starts this Sunday. They have a one million dollar Hooters DFS football contest, which is this Sunday, September eighth. It's a million dollars rake free. Whatever goes in, even if it's not a million, if, if it's, there's overlay, a million is still coming out and going out to the players. And if you go to fantasydraft.com and use the promo code hoop-ball, you will receive one free week of your membership to Fantasy Draft where you can use $1,000 in rake-free play. So take advantage of that. Jump on there. Get in that million-dollar contest. Start, you know, getting the feel with Fantasy Draft. They are a leader in the industry, and uh, we look forward to the, a long-term partnership with them. And let me just say, like, this is a DFS show for NBA. I, I dabble in NFL a little bit. The same concept applies. Week one is this week. This is the best time to make a deposit. Get that free week where it's rake-free for you. Take advantage of these price tags that are going to be underpriced guys when – you can jump on them. There's going to be plenty of them. I, no matter the sport, no matter what contest, the first game, the first week is the best time to take advantage. So I can't stress how awesome this rake free is. It's going to change the game and jump on it. It's 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 that easy. Uh, don't waste any more time. Poop dash ball. Enter it. I mean, come on. DFS, football, Hooters. Those are three great things. All right, Mike, I got to bring up a little USA basketball. We, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people are not really following it right now, but the FIBA World Championships are going on, and it's, it's really an odd year because they changed the date. You know, FIBA is usually the two years opposite of the Olympics, and we get a lot more of the, the concrete NBA guys in there, but we still have a strong team. 
But I'll tell you what, I watched, uh, uh, you can watch the games on ESPN Plus. Uh, that's where I've been watching. And I'll tell you what, man, I, uh, I watched the game against Turkey. We won by one in overtime. And that's just because Turkey bricked four for foul shots in a row that could have clinched the game for him. So uh, I don't know what's up, man, but USA basketball is really scaring me in this FIBA. Have you had a chance to see any of it? I watched. I watched a little bit. I'm not, I'm not on top of it um, like you are. I mean, if you're if you're really into the FIBA, follow follow coach. He's all over this right now, and uh, he was also at the summer league. He he loves just every ounce of basketball. So uh, definitely definitely keep him in uh, keep him in your feed if you're looking to get some of that FIBA news, but. I mean, we were talking about it a little bit before we came on air, and I think a lot of it comes down to yes, the NBA or the USA team is missing a boatload of players that they would normally generally have, but it's also we're seeing a lot of a lot of bigger names playing for their home countries. You know, Giannis playing for Greece, you got uh, Jokic playing for Serbia. There's a lot of big names, and in the past, yes, we these teams had some talent, but we're talking about you know players that are top ten in the NBA playing for teams other than the United States of America. So. The competition's stiff. We're talking Kemba Walker's probably the best player on Team USA, arguably, uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell being there as well. So um, those guys don't match up to guys like Giannis and Jokic as far as, you know, star power. But we supposedly have tons of depth. But when you just want to run five stars as many minutes as you could on the court, it's really it's really coming down to these starting lineups, five on five. I know. And it's it's been amazing. I'll tell you, it's been great basketball to watch. So if you do have a chance, I know the hours they come on are, are very odd, like tomorrow's set of games as normal uh, on the East Coast start around 6, uh, 7.30, uh, 6.30 or 7.30 in the morning. So I know West Coast, it's even worse. But uh, the games are terrific. And 14 out of the 16 have now qualified for the next round. We've made it in. The USA's in there. But uh, – you know, just to for, for you guys that are going to uh, and gals that are going to catch any of it, there's five teams that I've, you know, spotted that and I've seen them all play Spain, France, Lithuania, Australia, and definitely Serbia, uh, I believe can play us nose to nose. I mean, I, we could easily on any given night lose to any of those teams, which I never thought I would say coming into this event. I just thought we'd be too deep. But as as you alluded to, you know, this tournament has 57 NBA players total in it. So, you know, these national teams are showing up. They are loaded. Serbia, for example, just, you know, and we won't spend too much time on this, but with Jokic and Bogdanovic, Belizia, Boban is on that team, Tiasovic, you know, they, these guys played NBA basketball and, uh, you know, they're strong players. So it's going to be a test. Uh, this is going to be an interesting week to see who can get down to the medal rounds. And then next week, uh, hopefully we're able to sustain. We also lost Jason Tatum to a twisted ankle. He's already been uh, ruled out for the next two games at least. So uh, I'm telling you, man, it is Vegas actually has Serbia, the favorite over us. That's the first time we've ever been now an underdog. So hopefully Pop takes that in the locker room and they use that and get a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I mean, it's it's going to be a wait and see. They, they've already been tested. Uh, you know, that last game, uh, a couple of C.D. Osmond, Chetty Osmond, uh, however you want to say it, 
missed free throws could have been a difference maker. So, and, and we're talking about a Serbian team that is much, much better than that. So I'm, I, I'm excited to watch it, and it might be one I throw a couple bucks on. And, and I'll tell you what, I, I utilize, like I did this, the NBA Summer League, I'm utilizing this. Yes, I love basketball. I'm a basketball junkie, and I'm going to watch any good basketball I can. But I'm utilizing this knowledge definitely going into our DFS season. And here's how I'm looking at it. There's, there's a, a pretty good trend that, I mean, first of all, this is not going to end until two weeks before about two and a half weeks before camps opens. So there's not a lot of rest time for these guys. So there's two two thing, two schools of thought here that you need to look for at, as an edge from the guys coming out of this FIBA tournament. Again, 57 guys, uh, NBA guys, that are going to be going into the season. A lot of times you'll have decent start from some of the younger guys because they're in rhythm, they're playing, they're – in, in great shape, especially the Celtics with having multiple guys, four guys on the team, I think that will be a plus. But where you need to make a note of these 57 guys is generally they'll hit the wall a little bit sooner towards the end of the season. And just something to keep in mind, you know, I think that the the uh, uh, load uh, management time will come in play with more of these guys now that they've played throughout the whole summer. So just, you know, again, we're looking for every edge, every note that you can make that somewhere down the road is going to make a difference in a, in a, a, a game, a, a live uh, match where you're going head-to-head with somebody or if you're in a big GPP. So, all right, USA, USA. All right, we last week, Mr. Mike, we went through number 10 through 6, on the biggest moves that will impact the DFS NBA world uh, going into this next season. And we had some great feedback on those. And now we're going to go five through one. So uh, number five is the Utah Jazz and the signing of Conley and Bogdanovich. And let's start out by uh, giving a little clip of Mr. Mike Conley talking about his excitement in joining the Utah Jazz. I'm feeling great. I'm feeling confident. Um, it's almost like an injection into the arm, man. I'm really just excited uh, to get out there and get things going. Been really anxious to get to work and um, had the opportunity to work out with Donovan Mitchell uh, while I was down here in L.A. and um, really get to spend some time with some of the guys and uh, got to spend time with Rudy last night at the event. So it's really cool to, to, you know, be a part of such a great unit, uh, a great tight-knit group of guys, a uh, very family atmosphere. So I'm excited to get get out there and, uh, and get things rolling. There you go. And, and as you can see, you know, Mike Conley, yes, he's not as young as he used to be. He still is a world-class player, and he sounds like he is totally in tune with uh, what the Jazz are doing, and uh, man, I think that that was a fantastic move for them, especially pairing him with Bogdanovich, which, in my opinion, uh, is second to Curry as far as just <coughs> tremendous three-point shooters. So, um, so yes, uh, we got a little fan in the background. Yes, we do. <laughs> we have a, a fan that is. He is a Mike Conley, uh, 
uh, fan dog here. That was Chance, our our new, I guess, uh, mascot, if you want to call. Him. <laughs> yeah, we, we need we need something. We need something. Uh, what, I don't know if it's a uh, you know it's not, it didn't sound like a you know like a Georgia bulldog or anything from uh, from the tone of the bark, but we'll do. He's, ac- he's actually actually a uh, a very smart. Uh, dog almost too smart for his own good, but he's a Jack Russell Terrier, so you know, you know, those dogs are are, are rough. But uh, but anyway, Conley. I mean, it's not something that we didn't see coming. I mean, the Jazz were going after Conley all season. It was just a matter of getting something done at that point. Um, but you know, they ended up getting their guy. And just looking at it from a DFS perspective, uh, there's going to be some adjustments to be made. Uh, Donovan Mitchell uh, last season had a 31.7 usage rate. And that, you know, that turned out to be about 1.13 DraftKings points per minute. Um, you know, using that scale and transitioning it to another thing, we got to look at what left and Rubio left. And Rubio is a guy that had a usage rate of about 22%, uh, maybe about 20, 22.7 exactly. And bringing in Conley at 27.3. So we have to take the adjustment and I'm expecting Donovan Mitchell, um, you know, Points-wise, he's going to score a little bit less. Rubio is a guy that would have to play a little bit more on ball than Conley would. So we're going to see his assists go up just probably a little bit more uh, being in Mitchell. And I'm not expecting a huge, huge tick uh, as far as his usage to come down. So 31.7 is where it was. I'm expecting a small tick down, probably about 28.7, 29. And that's just because we're going to see a little bit more jump shooting out of Conley, a little bit more scoring out of Conley than we would uh, from Rubio in the past. Uh, Bogdanovich is about a, about an equal offensive player, as I would say, to Ingles. Uh, yes, Bogdanovich would shoot more, and that's only because we saw that once Victor Oladipo went down, uh, he had to score. He was the only thing over there that the Pacers had as an, uh, as an offensive pulse, and he's not going to be needed as much with Conley and uh, you know, Mitchell in that offensive lineup with him. So I'm expecting him his scoring, his usage to come down slightly. Gobert's never a guy that needs any sort of offense uh, in his game. He's just going to get the putbacks. He's going to get the lobs. Uh, he'll be satisfied with that. So I'm really looking at Conley to take a step back as far as DFS. I mean, price tag determines everything in this kind of situation. Um, but just going off of you know where he was priced at last season, that's probably something that we're not going to want to pay for as much. I, those are great points. And, and I'll tell you this, you know, again, this – why we're doing so much preparation ahead of time and why, you know, thinking and talking these, these moves through is important is, you know, it, that is going to be a really tricky situation there. I mean, Rubio is not a shooter. uh, And Conley is, is a, is a very good shooter and score. So with Mitchell and then Bogdanovich, you know, consistently being one of the best percentage three point shooters in the league, you're right. How is that usage going to, uh, disseminate between those guys. You know, it, it's great if you're a Utah Jazz fan. I think that's they're going to really see uh, a definite, you know, big step forward. However, from the DFS standpoint, you know, Mitchell has a tendency uh, to always be a little overpriced. Uh, Conley is always priced pretty high. You know, maybe Bogdanovich will be a little bit more of a bargain initially, but as you say, you know, with Oladipo out, his usage was up, and it may not, you know, he's not going to get the touches that he did uh, with the Pacers last year. So, you know, I think it's a great move for the Jazz, but from DFS, uh, definitely something to, to dig in on and try to determine what, you know, what is the best uh, best 
play there, and it's it's a it's a tough call. And at the end of the day, it's something that I think we have to take note of with Conley specifically is he's coming over from Memphis. Uh, Memphis played at a slow pace. Uh, he's going to the Jazz, who like to play at a slower pace, control the defensive tempo. So if anything, he's probably going to be affected um, a little bit less compared to Mitchell, uh, getting a guy that comes over. So he's used to playing alongside of you know Gasol, who at one point uh, commanded a little bit of offense as well. So he's used to playing with another guy. Uh, another guy that's going to handle a big workload um, on the offensive way. So I don't think it's going to affect him as much. And for Ingles, you know, he's going, he's probably, he's most likely going to come off the bench. And initially, everyone's going to think that's going to hurt him. Yes, he's going to probably, you know, go down from his 31.7 minutes to more of like a 27, 28 role. But we're going to see an increased usage from him coming off the bench, not playing alongside of guys like Mitchell. So. It's going, to be, it's going to be something to keep an eye on. He's always a guy that kind of falls under the radar. He doesn't necessarily have a humongous ceiling. Uh, but when you talk about cash games, 50-50s, heads-ups, uh, he can definitely be a guy that you want to target when he's always underpriced, uh, especially you know that week one. Everyone's going to anticipate the lower minutes. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, the, the other thing that, that's a big beneficial piece is a lot of times when somebody goes into that second rotation – and is playing against the other team's second rotation, you know, uh, Ingles will really be able to take advantage of that if he is coming off the bench, as people are are, are uh, estimating that he will. Sometimes you get a, a lift in in usage just in the fact that some of those other guys are going to be off the floor when he's on the floor, whereas last year he was with the first group almost all the time. So, again, one of those points uh, definitely to – to watch and try to take advantage of early on and until things settle out. All right, let's uh, let's jump to uh, number four, and that would be uh, the shocking, stunning move of Mr. Russell Westbrook <clears throat> joining the Houston Rockets. And for me, you know, generally in in talking about. Uh, sort of all of this work that we're going to be doing and uh, preparation that we're doing. I always use that perfect example to me of you're talking about the number one and three highest usage players last year in the NBA, both being on the same team in Harden and Westbrook, ball dominant, uh, two ball dominant players. So that is going to be one of the million dollar questions uh, right off the bat is, you know, how is that going how are they going to affect each other? And, you know, is that going to be a deterrent for obviously, you know, the high price that they're going to carry early on? One thing that I, I find very surprising, especially about, you know, we, you brought up the, the usage rates last year um, and both those guys being in the top three. And surprisingly enough, uh, Westbrook actually had the lowest usage rate last season uh since his sophomore season so he he had a usage of 30.9 percent and his sophomore season was 25.7 every year even playing with uh you know the years with durant it was it was higher about than that but the thing that we look at when westbrook was you know hitting this price tag and and putting up these numbers is obviously you know when he was getting these triple doubles and that it's no surprise that that happened once durant left because that's exactly when it started the 2016 and 17 season um but it isn't necessarily due to the usage and that's what i'm trying to get at it was 
it was the defensive uh, efficiency skyrocketed, uh, rebounding skyrocketed. So he was rebounding defensively at an insane clip. It went up from 18.1% to 28.8%. And I think a lot of this is in due part to the culture that OKC had to transform into. It was less of a, a, a timed rhythm thing. It was more of a, a push the pace thing get Westbrook these rebounds, push the tempo, take shots, and it showed. I mean, we watched these games. We would see Steven Adams. You'll hear, if you've heard me before, you'll hear me mention this all the time. Just basically not even go for a rebound. Uh, just box out. Let Westbrook grab this rebound, push the pace. And the Thunder did play at the fastest pace of any other team in the league. They, they had a league high uh, 93.5 shot per, shots per game. And compared to where the Rockets were last year, and believe it or not, the Rockets have always played at a fast tempo. Last year, they did not. They shot 86.9 shots per game last year, and that tied the Mavs uh, for the 26th lowest. So, um, I mean, when it comes to these two, for me, it's all going to be about price tag. A lot of people are going to immediately panic, uh, you know, not want to play one of these guys if they're too priced up just because they're playing alongside of each other. But I'm not really expecting the triple-doubles from Westbrook. But if that price tag is is just absurdly low or if Harden's, for some reason, is under you know that 10-5 range, I'm going to jump all over that. I still think Harden is going to score 50 a game. Uh, we weren't looking for those high-scoring games from him when he was necessarily getting triple-doubles. It was when he was scoring 50 or 55. And Westbrook isn't necessarily known for his scoring prowess. He, you know, one of the league's lowest three-point shooters, uh, shot terrible from the line last year. So uh, the tempo of this team I'm expecting to be very similar. Uh, it's going to be a little bit more controlled, though. It's going to be a little bit more of a controlled game for Westbrook, and it's going to be Harden's team to score. So that's what I got for you as far as that. I threw a lot of numbers at you, but I think there are a lot of very important numbers, and it's going to come down to the usage rate, and that's the number one thing I try to focus on when I'm making my lineups in DFS. I agree. I, I mean, usage in minutes, and and I'll tell you what, I, I think um, personally Westbrook for me early on is, is a full-out fade, and I'll say that because of a lot of the statistics that you read right there. I mean, Houston's tempo and pace, you know, is hard and dribbling the ball 25 times and then, you know, figuring out uh, when the shot clock's running out, you know, to, to step back and hit a three or shoot a three. And it's just, it's going to be such a different world for Westbrook. Um, and I, you know, I granted, yes, they played together some with the Thunder and they'll adapt uh, because, you know, uh, they're both great, great players, MVPs, et cetera. But I just, as, as you stated, I think, you know, those defensive rebounds that were all left for Westbrook in the past, and then some of just the strict, you know, him going coast to coast. Um, you know, you saw a dip last year when George was making that MVP run. And Westbrook just, you know, his percentages uh, are just killers, both, you know, uh, specifically uh, from the field, from distance, and then now even from the line. So, I, you know, <clears throat> that's one guy that, that I have the, the red highlighter on, uh, you know, because I think it'll take a while for his price to, to shrink back. Uh, but I think that his, uh, you know, what his put out, what he's going to put out for st statistics early on in DFS are going to decrease. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't expect Clint Capella to kind of do that box out. First of all, he's not as good of at boxing out as Stephen Adams. Stephen Adams is one of the league's best uh, centers when it comes to boxing out his opponents. And I do not expect Capella just to, you know, have inadvertently let you know Westbrook grab every rebound in the way that Adams did and 
Not to mention, the Thunder had a much, much better defense uh, than the Rockets last season. So when it comes to having a much better defense, you're looking at more defensive rebounds available. And that's another thing that, like I said, that 18.1% from when he was playing with Durant to that 28.8% from when Durant left, uh, that's absurd. That's just so many rebounds. And, I mean, like I said, just look at it. Adams had one of the lowest. It's it, The numbers don't lie in this kind of situation, and I'm with you. Uh, the red highlighter is probably going to be going over Westbrook's name until we see, you know, a little bit like 10. I, I, like I said, I want to see below 10-5. Uh, you know, now that more we're talking about it, I'm thinking more like that 10-2. Uh, I don't think he'll ever be in that nine, not less than 10K range. Uh, that just seems a little bit qu- crazy for Westbrook. But uh, Harden's going to be the guy that I'm going to kind of lick my chops at if he's a little underpriced because I'm not scared off of his value whatsoever with Westbrook coming there. And and I'll tell you, don't be surprised if we're not eating our words on this because remember D'Antoni's, uh, you know, sp- speed push the ball kind of guy. And I think last year just was a bit of an aberration to what he normally tries to coach. So maybe they'll flip the switch and, and just let those guys put it in full gear and, and they'll both be productive. But, you know, one of the more intriguing things to watch for this upcoming season, for sure. Yeah, but for me, even if they, even if D'Antoni was to go back to his old ways and push that pace and just looking at it from a stat perspective last season, uh, that would just get – you know, even if everything were to go right, it would still need to be Capella allowing more rebounds for Westbrook to get these triple doubles for him to get that value where he would be able to be allotted that 11-2 price tag. And all that's going to do is if D'Antoni pushes that pace similar to what OKC did last season, it's only going to be bode well for Harden because that means more shot attempts for Harden's going to be coming. Um, but that's exactly what would need to happen for Westbrook to kind of get that value that he was getting last year. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I, I had some successful wins using Chris Paul. And and if you just, you know, take Chris Paul out and you put, you know, uh, Westbrook in there, there are times that that, that second guard can really uh, flourish in, in, in D'Antoni's offense. Now, I'll tell you what's an automatic. If, West, if Westbrook or uh, Harden sit – that's a hundred percent lock button for the other guy when they play. That's for Darcher. So that goes without saying. Yeah, and I, you know, to another point, it's a guy that I'm going to have my I'm going to steer clear from. Is probably going to be Eric Gordon because he's a guy that we would see capitalize off of kind of that second u, uh, unit usage when Harden would come off of the floor. But odds are they're they're going to stagger these guys' minutes. Uh, either Westbrook or Harden is oh one of them is always going to be on the floor. I assume that's what I'm going into the season thinking uh, there's no reason why they shouldn't. They're both ball dominant guards. It's good to kind of stagger their minutes, take one out, put one in. And that's going to directly impact Eric Gordon's usage because he's not going to have that opportunity to kind of just chuck when Harden comes off the floor. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, uh, Gordon is one of those guys that just to me in DFS, you know, he, he just doesn't fill the, the, the rest of the categories, rebounding, assists, anything else. It's just total scoring dependent you know, sort of like Clay Thompson in, in a little bit of way and, and certain guys like that where, you know, if they don't put up 40, if they're only scoring 28, which is a good game, but those other numbers aren't there, then they just they, they, they hit really can uh, take a bite out of you in DFS. So, all right, cool. Let's move on to number three. And, uh, you know, this could be, I guess these first three are interchangeable uh, really when you think of it, but I guess – because this only uh, has one person and the other two have two guys, this 
fell into the number three hole, and that's Anthony Davis going to the L.A. Lakers. And uh, before we, we jump into that, let's listen to A.D. a bit talking about uh, going to L.A. and his focus on winning a championship. We have, you know, um, a standard that and <laughs> that is it, you know, um, you know, um, especially for me as a player, if I don't win a championship, then, you know, this the, uh, season was, was not a success. All right. Well, A.D., I think, you know, is ready. He is ready and focused and uh, definitely an MVP candidate. Uh, and definitely a guy that uh, I think is going to be a massive price tag right off the DFS uh, uh, first game in, but uh, probably will pay off, that's for sure. So what, what's your initial thoughts on AD and the role he'll play with LeBron and, and company in L.A.? So, I mean, the the obvious is probably, like I said, you'll hear me use usage a lot. It's a big factor in when I when I make my selections for DFS. And um, I think he's obviously going to have a lower usage playing alongside of a guy like LeBron James. He's, he's never played alongside of a caliber player. He played alongside of Boogie Cousins, but uh, that's not LeBron James necessarily. Uh, but it's, it's in a good way. So I think that we're going to see, obviously, he's going to get freed up a little bit more with LeBron taking a lot of attention. Um, you know, all eyes are on the floor and LeBron James has the ball because he can create his own shot. He creates for others. He can spot up. He can take a three. Um, he's the best player on earth right now. So all of that is going to bode well for him. Um, and I think what we're looking at, a lot of the times when when AD has these massive games, it's not necessarily on the scoring side of it. It's He comes out there and blocks six, seven shots, five shots, three or four or five steals. All of that is still going to happen. Um, they're going to play at a faster pace, uh, you know, than they did last season. So I'm expecting some good things. They're going to be a little bit better defensively uh, than that he was over there in New Orleans when he was playing for that. What? How many games did we get out of him? Very, very short season. I had him just about in, I would say, probably 50 percent of my season long league. So that was lovely having him there. But yeah. um, I'm expecting LeBron James to be impacted in a positive way from this. He's going to have people, someone that can actually finish at the rim. Uh, someone that can create their own shot so he can get open a little bit more as well. So this is all going to bode well, I think, better for LeBron. I think Davis, we're going to just see very, very similar stats. Uh, A lot of the times when I'm selecting Davis, it's matchup dependent. He's always going to have that high price tag. So I want to, you know, play him against a team that's going to, he's going to be able to destroy on the interior. Um, And even that's going to have to change a little bit because now he's going to be playing primarily power forward. He's not going to be down low getting as many rebounds. So I think we're going to be looking at a few more triple doubles from LeBron this season. Well, I, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, the Anthony Davis scenario, you know, one, you can look at the fact that listening to that snippet of the interview, but if you, in, in listening to the rest of the interviews uh, that he's had recently, I mean, he's he's very happy. He's content. He feels like he's finally somewhere where he chose to be, and he's more focused and more. So, I mean, all of those good things are going to play, I think, into him being ready to play at a, at a high level. But my concern is, you know, he was playing with the Pelicans in Alvin Gentry's offense, where he was completely the focal point. They're pushing the ball. Uh, you know, and he comes, you know, with the Lakers, it's LeBron's team. Frank Vogel is not always the fastest pace coach. He has a tendency to, you know, uh, 
run some more rigid plays that will slow down the pace a bit. Now, you know, whether he adjusts that with the Lakers or not, I don't know, but that's what he's done in the past. So, you know, I think AD is going to be great. He's AD. He's, you know, no weaknesses, phenomenal in every aspect of the game. Uh, shoots the three really well. Uh, everything, you know, you name it, he's going to add to uh, the list with blocks and the whole nine yards. I agree with you in the fact that I think this is, you know, and I've been touting this for the last month or so is I think it's going to rejuvenate LeBron. I think, uh, you know, it's LeBron. So he's going to carry a, a decent price tag early for DFS, but I think he's going to be worth it. I can see him coming out and being in that triple double range constantly, you know, with, with having AD and Kuzma and those guys, you know, being able to finish and then having two centers that, it looks as though we'll just come in and play a role and not take much offense away from from the main guys, you know, being, you know, with McGee and, and Howard. So, uh, you know, I think it's going to be, uh, again, you know, one, one of the more intriguing things. I think you're going to get uh, with it being the Lakers and all the hoopla, uh, you can always add like 10% ownership to AD and LeBron because they're just so popular and everybody wants to root for them, watch the late West Coast game and and root for them. So you got to beware a little bit of ownership numbers with those guys. But, um, you know, I think early on I'll definitely be tar- targeting LeBron. And then, you know, we'll see, uh, you know, the, the risk with AD. And it's like holding your breath when you're watching a game when you start him because if he, you know, bumps his fingers into the – basketball standard you think oh my god he's gonna go to the locker room he's out you know so you there's always that panic well let me let me counter that right now because i i personally think um you know with 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 anthony davis like you said that that was a great point you brought up with the mentality he's happy now he has something to play for now he has something to stand up for now it's it's not just i'm playing for a city where you know let's be real in new orleans they, they care about the saints and it's been a, a big topic of conversation in the off season uh how much you know they're really trying to rebrand their basketball program trying to put that on the map trying to really you know zion's the guy like they want to really boost their basketball program and it's just because not a lot of people down there cared about it as much as their football programs so just looking at it from that perspective i don't think we're going to see an anthony davis that unless he needs to be pulled out of a game will come out of a game i mean this is a guy like last season and the past in the season before that we really couldn't take it serious he didn't want to be there so if he got hurt he was coming off immediately because that was going to affect uh where he could get traded so i think all of that's in the past and Another big point I wanted to bring up was he's playing for the the first time in his career with two very, very good passing point guards in LeBron James and Rondo. So we saw him play with Rondo in the past, but some of the other guys that he had schlepping around there playing point guard in New Orleans, I mean, besides Drew Holiday, who we're seeing is is a better two guard uh, for for that fact. It, you know, we're looking at guys like Alfred Payton and, and just crumb bums that... You don't like Frank Jackson? I'm a, listen, <laughs> Frank Frankie Jacks can score. He can ball. Don't get me wrong. He can score. Uh, pass it? No. Uh, not guys that can help him set up for uh, his own shot. He would always have to kind of create for himself over there. Uh, there was never really any attention anywhere else. Now he has two guys that could create passes. Uh, two guys that no matter what, you know, if LeBron comes off the court, Rondo is probably coming on. 
Because LeBron's going to play a lot of point guard this season. Rondo's most likely not going to start the year. I would I would be shocked for any reason if he would. Uh, the only thing that's really staring me, I guess, if I wanted to play devil advocate against Anthony Davis not being able to produce the same way that he used to be able to, uh, would be that Dwight Howard is there and we're going to see a lot of rebounds. But even that's hard to kind of you know put a knock on him because he played against played alongside of Demarcus Cousins, who can do the same exact stuff to a higher extent at that point in his career. Well, I love AD, but just I'm telling you, I've sat on my couch, sweat dripping off my brow when AD's marching to the locker room for the fifth round of pro, uh, concussion protocol, and uh, I'm about to throw up my dinner. So Not flying in L.A. That will not fly in L.A. Uh, we um, so. will see. If, his, if history tells, he has missed consistently missed games throughout his career without question. But I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Well, yep. It's it's like you said. Time will tell. But um, I'm I'm really I'm really focused on this. But there's there's other moves, and I think there's going to be you know other moves that are going to impact it a little bit more. And I believe our number two is going to be Kyrie Irving going to Brooklyn. And with Kevin Durant, um, while that's two big names going there, I mean, it's really only one that we're going to have to focus on as far as this season and for DFS purposes. Correct. And that is number two. Probably the, the top two uh, being very predictable with, with the biggest moves maybe in years. But, yes, the Durant and Irving, you know, to the Nets instead of the Knicks, have, you know, shook up the basketball world and – Certainly apologize to those Knicks hoopballer fans out there because that is a tar- uh, tough one to take. But, uh, yes, uh, you know, Durant, you know, what uh, we, is certainly going to miss the entire season. Will he be the same ever again? We'll find out. You know, I think there's a good chance that he will just based on the early reports on his recovery. He's uh, way, way ahead of schedules. Um, so what it comes down to is Kyrie Irving. You know, obviously the Celtics situation was a complete disaster. And, uh, you know, his numbers were solid but inconsistent. Um, You know, he he steps into that uh, role that D'Angelo Russell had really uh, produced with in a very up-tempo Nets uh, system. So I think, you know, Irving may be a guy early on that, uh, you know, he seemed to always have a fair price. He wasn't overpriced as a, you know, as the norm last year. And I think he may be a guy that uh, has a little something proven and could have some early worth. Well, and again, let's just talk about the usage. It's, it's simple right here. I mean, Kyrie Irving, his career high uh, for usage is 30.8. And that's back in 16, 17, uh, you know, playing in Cleveland. So looking at D'Angelo Russell last season, who, I mean, he had a career year. Uh, but there's no way that we could compare him to Kyrie Irving on a skill basis. I mean, Kyrie's probably just better facet in every part of the game. Uh, I mean, arguably, we could say, you know, Russell being maybe getting an edge on defense, but he's not really known for his prowess either. Uh, he had a usage mm-hmm. last season of 31.9. So he has had a higher usage in the one season that he played over there uh, than any single season in Kyrie Irving's career. So Kyrie's going to have that going for him. Um, and we're talking about a faster pace than the Celtics played at. They're going to be relying on him a lot more. So I'm, I'm very high on Kyrie. The only thing with Kyrie mm-hmm. ever is his health. 
and the one thing that may impact his DFS value and even his season long value is, you know, maybe taking the foot off the pedal a little bit more. Maybe they're a little bit more cautious on it because one, they don't, they're not really, you know, they're going to compete this year. Obviously they were very good last year, but they're really gearing up for when Durant gets healthy um, next season. That's the season that they're really planning on gunning for it and going for it and taking a run at the, the NBA finals. And they have a very capable backup point guard in Spencer Dinwiddie. And um, you know, Rozier only played 22, 23 minutes last season. Uh, backing up Kyrie, and we're, we're talking about a guy like Dinwiddie who played 28.7 minutes last game or last season. So there's a very capable. He's definitely a better defender on him. He's longer. He's got that length. He can get in between the passing lanes. So uh, there's there's more of an option to kind of pull him off, ease him off, and and blowouts kind of put the other guy in there. And that's the one caveat I guess I have going into it, and that we're going to be able to tell kind of going in there just by the matchups. If there's a fat spread in there. Uh, you know, avoid Kyrie because Dinwiddie is a very capable backup point guard. I agree. And and I think that, that you'll find that they may play the two of them next to each other once in a while. They did that a little bit with D'Angelo, uh, you know, in times where, where they needed some scoring. So you may see, you know, them running side by side. I, I just think that, you know, the Nets making the playoffs last year and just, really turning it around and then with this with the you know the expectations and and the fans just in a fur you know fervor that's going to be a great a tough ticket to get at times now for the first time even before Durant's back uh I just I, I think you know as you said from a usage standpoint don't be surprised if this may be Irving's highest usage season um you know since before LeBron came back to the uh, Cavaliers so um, you know, I'm high on him. I think, you know, it will, uh, it will change all dramatically within a heartbeat next year when Durant's back, all of a sudden, you know, that he goes from, you know, from highest usage possibly in his career to maybe the lowest because, you know, Durant is, is going to be, uh, you know, a, a guy that's just obviously the go-to guy on any team. So, uh, you know, it, it'll be a, a very transitional year for the Nets, but I think one that, that Irving certainly has something to prove after really the embarrassment of the Boston scenario. Yeah, and the one thing that kind of has me, you know, kind of, I, and I thought about this, you know, Dinwiddie playing alongside of Kyrie, and maybe that's going to happen. The one thing I, I think that's going to, you know, keep that from happening as much as it did last season when Dinwiddie played alongside of Russell is the fact that we're going to see a healthy Karis LeVert. Um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of last season was missed due to that you know gruesome injury that we saw early on. And when that happened, you know, Joe Harris would slide up slide up to the three a little bit more. So um, that's the one thing. Joe Harris lights out three point shooter. You want him on the floor as much as possible for spacing purposes, especially with uh, you know DeAndre Jordan coming over and Jared Allen. Both those guys are pretty uh, you know standalone centers who don't can't can't stretch the floor much at all. So I think for that purpose that they're going to probably see, a, a, you know, a little bit more of just kind of second usage out of Dinwiddie, um, second team usage, as opposed to playing alongside of, you know, the star point guard, is that these other guys got to get their minutes as well. And Karis LeVert is a guy that, you know, is a big part of their future. And, and don't be surprised, you know, the, this set of centers may be the best uh, that Kyrie Irving's ever played with as far as finishers at the rim. I mean, can you imagine how many lobs he's going to be throwing up to either one of those guys, regardless of which one's in there? They're two of the best alley-oop uh, dunk guys in the league. 
So that should be an increase right there in, in uh, assists for sure. Absolutely. That's that's a brilliant point. And uh, it's something I didn't even put enough thought into. He's going to have some finishers at the rim, and that's going to be huge for him because if we look at what just what he played with last season in Boston, you know, Al Horford's not that guy that's going to be finishing at the rim. He's the guy that's trailing behind the play, ready for the breakdown, spot up three at the, at the top of the key, uh, you know, taking his time in the post, working himself in. So he's going Aaron Baines, too. He wasn't a guy that ran the floor at all either. It's not like he had no. ever had a JaVale McGee or, or, a guy in, like or that. in Cleveland with Tristan Thompson or any of those guys. He's never had a high-flying lob, you know, guy to throw the ball to. Uh, so I think, you know, that's a that's a big thing to that could be a huge plus for him also. Yeah, and can we, we can only talk about how amazing this guy is. He's got the ball on a yo-yo. So uh, yeah. the between the legs, no-look alley-oops are going to be coming left and right. I think that's going to be something to keep an eye on with, uh, uh, you know, of course up there everyone's going to be waiting to see a couple of Zion alley-oops too. So. Um, Uncle Drew, Uncle Drew, man, I just watched that the other night again. <laughs> I've yet to see any of those movies, and you haven't seen Uncle Drew. I mean, man, I've, I've seen, seen I've seen the YouTube ones when they originally came out. I've not I've not seen the actual movie of it yet. Um, one of my buddies, you know, I'm the one that showed him Uncle Drew to begin with when he started off doing it with like Kevin Love. He brought Kevin Love on. That was always pretty fun to watch and. I have yet to see the movie, so it's something it's I really guess I got I got to put on my list. But I just couldn't imagine how they could turn like these seventeen or seven minute long clips on YouTube into like an, a full length movie without. Because the best part was was the imagination that nobody knew that this was Kyrie Irving. Like the first yeah. time that he did it, he got away with it, but then it became a thing. And he just started showing up to courts, and it's like, all right, yeah, there's an an old guy that kind of looks like Kyrie Irving that's just going to put the ball on a yo-yo and school some dudes like me in a, a random basketball court. So it's no yeah. one's believing it at that point. So I was, I don't know. I, I'm a little skeptical on the movie, but if you're telling me to watch it, Coach, I'll, I'll give uh, it, I'll give it a shot. It's fun, man. And Shaq, you know, Shaq's like the funniest human being on earth. So you know, he's in it, and he he kills me. So uh, it's uh, you'll enjoy it, man. You will. All right, before we get to number one, uh, just another quick mention of our, our sponsor and to remind everybody, Fantasy Draft, get to the website, fantasydraft.com, sign up with Hoop Dashball, uh, and that is your promo code. You get a free $1,000 worth of rake-free DFS play, perfect timing for you to get into their million-dollar tournament this Sunday, September 8th. And would love to have a catch a uh, a Twitter of somebody that listened to the show jumped on there, and they're the ones that won the million. So, uh, you know, thanks again for Fantasy Draft, and uh, uh, we would definitely encourage you to get on there. Uh, also, wanted to mention too when you're uh, if you're looking for uh, this uh, podcast, you can find it everywhere. Uh, we're right now iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeart, Spotify, YouTube, pretty much anywhere podcasts can be found. So please get on there, listen in, subscribe, rate, review, give us five stars, a thumbs up. We appreciate that feedback. That helps us continue to make uh, our sponsors happy and, and keep being able to bring you this free content because you'll have a lot of you know, there's a lot of them out there that will have the paywall where you have to subscribe and, you know, it's you get this type of input and uh, this kind of strategy uh, and there's a cost to it. But we're, you know, thanks to our sponsors and 
fantasy draft in particular, we're able to bring it to you for free. And, you know, again, remember, we're, you know, these shows as we're building up to the season, we're talking, you know, strategy, what to look for. Once we get to the, the you know, blood and guts of the season and we're doing this six nights a week and we're giving you, uh, you know, what to look for that night in DFS, <clears throat> we're going to break down. We're going to look at, again, the analytics and statistics like some of the other touts are bringing forward. But we're never going to give you suggestions of playing, you know, 8% of everybody. And we're never going to be, uh, you know, not be afraid to get out there and give you some recommendations. We're also going to start every show talking about our recommendations from the night before, where we went wrong, what was real successful, hopefully what won some of our listeners the big money. And uh, so we look forward to you guys joining in on that. And it's just a fact. I mean, if you if you listen to uh, the podcast where I was doing with, uh, you know, Dan Bespris, shout out Dan. Uh, obviously, if you listen to HoopBall, if you're a fan of HoopBall, you know who that is already. Uh, the mastermind behind the curtain of our whole our whole podcasting unit, our whole radio unit. He's a major part of everything that runs on a hoop ball, but you would hear the transparency in the contest. I would talk about guys that day. The contest was that night and you would see those guys in the lineups. And I think part of the reason was that was, that's why it was so hard for me to ever even, you know, I placed in a lot of them, but winning those were tough because at the end of the day, everybody was using, you know, the picks that I mentioned. So there was a little edge for me to be had in those. And that just, I think goes to show the transparency I try to play with over here. I know coach, you try to do the same and I'm not going to, you know, recommend a guy to, to, you know, cover my own butt just because I don't want to mention him because I'm afraid he's going to go off. I try to take a very direct stance and you'll hear me mention, you know, sometimes about the percentage, but I don't play 150 lineups. It's usually the most I'm shooting out there are, you know, 20, um, unless I'm, unless I'm just really feeling the night, like the first opening night, I might roll out a ton of them. Uh, just because I told you that is the best time to take advantage of it. And I just try to like keep it as plain as possible. If you have a question, if you like a guy, I will tell you flat out, I hate him or I like him. But again, do your own research. We break down a lot of these stats. Uh, we want to show you. We want to make everybody a little bit better. We want to give you a little bit more of an edge that you can have over your friends, over every these GPPs. And uh, it's you know it's the saying: you, you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a life lifetime. But if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. So it's. It's that simple. We want to feed you for a lifetime with this knowledge. I don't want to just give you all the plays and feed you that night. Absolutely. And, and you know, to, to play into that, too, is Mike is going to be more of the GPP specialist. That's, you know, that's more his, his game. He plays that more. He understands it more. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm more of the cash player or single entry player. I like to, you know, just grind and grind and grind and figure out who the best plays are and why. And generally, I'll go with one lineup. I'm just going to put my best team out on the floor and who I really think, and I'll enter strategically those, you know, those cash game uh, entries and those single entries and, and go from there. So you'll be getting two different perspectives so that, uh, you know, for the small player to big player to the GPP to the cash player to the single entry. And we'll start talking about those strategies in these next couple of shows again, for, you know, for some of the newer players to DFS uh, NBA to give you an idea of sort of how those fit in and what makes sense for you and how you want to play it. And then for, you know, the, the Sharks out there, you know, we want to be able to also have value for you guys to bring you a little bit 
different perspective on how we're seeing it and creating our lineups. Maybe we can, you know, affect uh, a percentage of your play. So, all right. Uh, and that leaves us with number one on our list, sort of 1-1-A with the Duran Irving move is obviously the, the shocker for everybody, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, uh, specifically Paul George in that move, um, going to the Clippers and making the Clippers now the favorites uh, to win the NBA championship, which is words that I never thought would come out of my mouth, but they did. So go ahead and touch on that, Mike. I think uh, as far as a DFS perspective, it, I think there's going to be some major differences in both these guys' games. Um, I mean, Leonard, we kind of know his game. We saw it over in Toronto. It's just really the load management. How much is he going to play? And I think we're going to see that kind of transition over to the Clippers as well. And let's just keep it real. They're a bona fide playoff team now. They, they pretty much were, were before with their grit and their grind and always being a tough matchup no matter how much they faced. And they just added two of the best defensive players uh, in the game. So we're going to see that, you know, 19th in the, they were ranked last year in the league as far as pace at 86 point, uh, 87.6 shots, shot attempts per game, probably, you know, dip down a little bit. I know, yes, they have two very good offensive players in both these guys, but they don't need to push the pace. They can just grit and grind their way through and just frustrate their opponents. Uh, they're going to be a, a pain to play like I'm going to probably avoid any wings that ever play this team there's really we were doing that anyway when you played if you were looking at a small forward going against uh, Kawhi or a small forward going against Paul George you were pretty much xing that guy off because he's gonna be a little bit overpriced compared to his defensive matchup but now it's just any sort of you know guy that's going to ever have the ball in his hands other than a center um, mm -hmm. you pretty much have to have to completely avoid going against the Clippers now I I can't do it and uh, Paul George, him speaking specifically, he had a career best year last year, you know, playing on a team that pushed the tempo and had the number one pace and the most shot attempts out of any other team in the NBA. So that's obviously going to go down. You know, it's 28. He averaged 28 points per game, 8.2 rebounds, both those career highs. And then he tied a couple of his career high with 4.1 assists, um, mm -hmm. expecting all those to kind of dip down a little bit. Maybe the rebounds will probably stay roughly right around where they were, and you know that's only because we just saw him survive playing alongside of a guard that can average a triple double. So uh, that's kind of where I'm standing with those guys. Uh, you know, I'm pretty much avoiding any other player that is on the team as far as DFS purposes, unless they're just insanely cheap. There's no reason to kind of think that you know Patrick Beverly is going to have a hot shooting night. He could. Uh, but you know, to go out there and pinpoint those kinds of guys, I don't like recommending those kinds of guys. Cause those are, those are the guys you're playing. If you are you know, shooting out 150 lineups and, uh, like we just said, we're not really gearing that towards that. We're going to give you those, you know, subtle picks that for like the guys that are playing like us, you know, 20 to 40, like me or, you know, cash games like coach. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I'll tell you what the, um, the Paul George situation is interesting. I mean, first of all, he's coming off of that uh, shoulder injury. And so he will uh, be out a little bit initially. And so, you know, getting him back in rhythm and getting him going, you know, that'll be, that'll take a little bit of time. So that's something that to keep in mind, you know, as far as Kawhi goes, I mean, Kawhi is going to produce in every aspect of the game. Um, you know, one of the top free throw shooters in the league. I mean, there's no, nothing that he can't do out there. Uh, you know, the, the question is, you know, until really the, the, the uh, maturation of, of Pascal Siakam coming into his own last season, 
there wasn't really much to go with Kawhi. He was sort of the man, uh, you know, all the way around. So uh, the Clippers have other pieces that I think people are underestimating here. They they have some good players, uh, you know, in place that that you know Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell and you know on down the line. I mean, they have uh, very good complementary pieces. So. I know it sounds bizarre, but for me, initially, uh, I'm, you know, all the hoopla with the Clippers, I'm, I'm fading a lot of these guys. I think Doc, uh, you know, the way he coaches, the buy-in he gets from his players, you know, to team first and, you know, win as five out on the floor, I think is awesome. I think it's going to be great for the Clippers, but I don't see that playing out as strongly for DFS. And uh, I'll tell you, there were, there were several times last year, you know, obviously everybody's sweating those late games and there were a lot of times uh, the Clippers were playing and, you know, I, f- I found myself without any Clippers and they were pretty highly owned uh, in, at certain times, you know, Williams and Gallinari and different guys. And, and uh, I didn't usually get stung that badly because they do spread out, spread the love around there. And, and play well as a team. So, you know, will things change there uh, as far as, uh, you know, how that team, you know, develops one, you know, because they're going to be such a different look? Uh, definitely could be. Um, you know, you're never going to feel bad about having either one of them on your squad, but the question is at what price? And, and that will be key something you know key point that we have to look at early on absolutely and i'm glad you brought up lou will because this isn't going to be the same kind of year we're going to see those big explosive games from lou will here and there but they're not going to be needed as much now that you got scores like Kawhi leonard and paul george on the team um you know gallinari actually put together uh one of his first healthy seasons last year and that was great for him um but in you know in years past we would just kind of see you know, Lou will kind of have to step up when everybody else kind of sits down. He was always great in fourth quarters because they're going to be trailing games. Uh, but none of that's going to be happening. I mean, it's going to happen. Don't get me wrong, but not nearly as much with these two stars on their team now. It's just a huge difference. And, yeah, I'm expecting a little bit more of a down year from Kawhi Leonard because, I mean, we're talking, you know, he played with Kyle Lowry last year in Siakam. Those guys don't command usage like Paul George. I think the closest thing that we ever seen him play alongside of a guy that would command usage uh, was LaMarcus Aldridge in San Antonio. But even then, we're talking about a, a passive LaMarcus Aldridge, not one that he was playing with with Portland. So I'm like, I'm with you. I'm kind of you know going to steer clear of these guys until their prices get down to where they need to be um, and really reflect that. And until they do, there's, there's really no way, in my opinion, that we could take advantage of anybody on that team. I agree, no doubt. All right, man. Well, uh, I guess we, we can wrap some things up here for, for – uh, you know, for show number two here, um, a couple of things to mention. You know, as we're doing these these uh, shows prior to preseason, um, you know, really what we're, we we want to do is build a rapport with our listeners. We want to get as much input from you guys on what you want to hear, what's going to help you uh, prepare. And we want to, again, you know, and, and I apologize if I'm repetitive on it, but we want to give you something that's not out there. We want to entertain you basketball-wise. We want to talk a little basketball. We love the game. We love all of the, the 
things that bring it together in, in the pieces of the game. So we want to always keep that in mind. We want to focus, obviously, on DFS, you know, the, the daily game where, you know, every night we're starting from square one again, and we're going to try to really break it down, not just from stats, but from strategy and every aspect to give you uh, the best input that we can. We're never going to hold anything back uh, as far as what we recommend and why we recommend it. We're going to back it up with, with uh, you know, the, the proper strategy, statistics, and analytics. And then we also want to just, you know, create an atmosphere where people that are playing their regular fantasy league year-long, head-to-head dynasties, where they can get some different tidbits of information that are going to help them turn in their weekly lineups and help them be successful. So, you know, if you have any recommendations, please uh, feel free to comment. You know, uh, look look for us on uh, Twitter. I'm at Joe Sarvati. That's J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I. And Mike? You can find me at Mike Apatria. It's M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A, just like my name. And, uh, you know, like Coach said, give us some feedback, but just, you know, throw a little five-star in there. You know, go under, go under your iTunes or, you know, your Stitcher review. Click five stars. Feel good about yourself today. Do something nice. Uh, it, we would, we'd appreciate it. And, uh, you know, going forward again, five star, just a little review under there, a little comment. If you want us to do something different, if you want to hear more of certain things, if you want more stats, less stats, give us your feedback. We'll take it to heart. We'll take it to concern. We won't take it, you know, too personal. And we're just looking to put out the best thing that we could for you guys. And again, I'm glad that we can go through these top 10 big moves. There's going to be plenty more, uh, you know, smaller ones that we're going to get to on a more of a daily basis once the season starts to approach, and we're going to be taking advantage of those, and we're going to touch on them. But these are the ten biggest moves that that we saw that impacted the landscape, and it was one of the most active free agency and off seasons that we've had in a while. And you know, to give you an idea of what we'll do this next month is again with with building, you know, just you know, an idea of around what we're trying to to help our listeners uh, get to in a point to be successful in DFS. We'll start talking about the different contests and those strategies because that's huge. You know, if you're entering a a, a ten dollar, uh, you know, uh, thirty thousand uh, entry tournament, uh, you know, as opposed to playing a a twenty five dollar head to head, it's like night and day with what you need to do. It's a complete opposite strategy. And I know a lot of our listeners that play DFS know that, but. You know, we want to break it down and, and, and rethink it a little bit together as we go through this prior to the preseason and, and really re-strategize how we're going to attack it. Because, you know, a lot of being successful at DFS has to do strictly with the strategy of how you're playing it and then the preparation that you're putting in beforehand. Because you may come up with the right lineup with just one guy a little different, but in if you're entered in the wrong contest, where you're battling people with 150 different combinations of similar players, your odds of, of coming out victorious are very low. And, you know, what you want to do is, you know, the first piece of advice with DFS is you want to track what you're doing. Do it every day, Mark, what you, how much you've entered, what your, you know, plus minus was, you know, keep an eye on all of those aspects and management, manage it like a side job. And I'm telling you, you can be successful there are a lot of fish out there that are just jumping in, throwing in their 
favorite players and not prepared and just, you know, uh, taking shots that you can take advantage of. So, you know, we're going to, to uh, in future shows prior to the, the, you know, being able to actually talk about games when the preseason goes is we're going to, you know, not only talk about this, the strategies of entering, but we're going to start breaking down by position and start talking about guys that we feel are going to be good value guys to keep an eye on early on. Uh, you know, we now know pretty much the makeup of all the rosters. We know, you know, the coaches that are in place, we can start, start to really put the numbers to use with usage and pace and start determining ownership and, and ideas of, you know, where we're going to look early on. And then once we hit that first night of preseason basketball, we're busting in. We're going to go game by game. We're going to, you know, we're going to put out, put some information out there that, like I say, you know, the best thing in the world that can happen is you build a little nice bankroll prior to the season start, you know, or barely is the season starting and then you're full tilt to go and, and take advantage of it. So any fi- final words from your side, Mike? Yeah, my phone just vibrated off of my desk, um, like probably five feet from me, it hit the ground, and it just scared the crap out of me. So I wish this was oh. almost a video, uh, because that would have been a priceless moment if you guys got to see that. But uh, I know I think you hit the nail on the head. We're going to give people some good content. Uh, we're going to pad their pockets a little bit in the preseason, get them going for the regular season, have them a nice little bankroll to start themselves off with. And, uh, you know, we're going to turn some we're going to try to turn some profitable, some profitable people this year. Um, you know, the, like I said, the first year I did DFS, uh, yeah, I was profitable because I knew basketball very, very well. Uh, but it was maybe by like a few hundred dollars, you know, I thought I was a genius with it. It wasn't until, you know, my second season when I really started taking it a little bit serious where I started seeing thousands of dollars in profit. So, uh, that's where we want to get you guys. We want to save you the time. And I think coach said it best. So that's a good note to end it on coach. I don't know about you, but I had a great night doing this and I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. Same here, man. And remember, you know, our, our motto, success occurs when opportunity meets preparation. Well, we're going to help you prepare, and your opportunity is going to be to make some, some good, solid profit in your DFS basketball this season. So we hope you'll join us again uh, next Thursday for our third installment as we prepare for this NBA season. And we hope you, you have a luck in that uh, fantasy draft uh million dollar contest this weekend so uh you know we thank you for joining us for mike apatry and myself coach we uh, look forward to talking to you again next week thanks again and we're out get the free rake This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.